Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. We've been working on a series on transforming leadership, which is our leadership model that has five different skill categories. And today we're, move, we're moving into the fourth category, which we call team and consulting skills. The previous categories, which are on previous podcasts, this is uh, item or show number five as it links to out of six is we talked about transforming leadership principles, your belief systems about leadership and how important that is before you start developing skills. We talked about developing self around self-masteries and the 12 skills there. We talked about interpersonal communication skills, which is your relationship with others. And then in the last show, we talked about your coaching and problem management skills where you're helping others to be accountable and own their improvement. So really today's show is talking about, in session, is really talking about another level of skills up around consulting in team skills. You know, a lot of times it's interesting as we work with uh, companies, organizations, individuals around the world on how few leaders really have the ability to assess what's going on in their organization. And so... You know, I have me, and then I have me and you. I have me holding you accountable. Now this is really us, but it's also really the organizational resources that comes in. So uh, come into play, and I'll tell some stories around that here in a minute. So the first skill that we talk about, do you actually have the ability to assess the needs, the wants, the problems, and fears of the team, of the individuals, of the organization? If something is failing, You know, we've talked about readiness and willingness to succeed in the past there. Can I take a look at what's going on and really find out what's really, really going on? I remember being, you know, we had the sole source contract with my partner, uh, Gord Cameron, to provide the soft skills and consulting to Chrysler Canada for nearly a decade, all on the English side. And so I remember going into a dealership and this was many years ago, and the individual uh, was quite upset over the sales team not doing their follow-up calls, not performing to the level that he wanted them to. So part of my visit was to really work with them, and my goal as a consultant was to try to, first of all, before I told them to make the calls, I wanted to determine what were the reasons or reason that they weren't making the calls. And very quickly into the discussion with the individuals. Now, I know I'm dating myself, and this is quite a while ago now, but the individual had uh, very few phone lines because the owner wanted to save, uh, I I think it was $50 a month for a business line. So first of all, he was short of phone lines. Number two is the line that he wanted the sales representatives to call out on was the same line that their business office was sharing for faxing. And this is prior to when you had to have all the signatures. Uh, you didn't have digital signature capabilities. So all contracts needed to be signed by the client, and then they had to be faxed to the bank. 
So this digital signatures is just something that's new, uh, really relatively uh, new. So not that long ago, you had to fax those so that you had that signature on file for you know, the, if it was a finance contract or whatever it was that they were verifying. Maybe it was a lease contract to uh, the manufacturer. Maybe it was a, a financing contract to a bank or any kind of source. Interesting enough, <clears throat> the line that this dealer was asking individuals to call out on, the sales reps, was the same line that the business office was using for faxing. So I could be in the middle of a call. The business manager would not really note that it was already being used, just the way that the fax system worked. And all of a sudden, I would have this fax noise in my ear because they would override the line as part of this process. Well, no wonder nobody wanted to make outbound sales follow-up calls. So a lot of times we think, well, they're not motivated, those lazy sales, car salespeople, when in fact the resources, by really paying attention and asking the questions, were determining what was one of the reasons that was contributing to the failure. So interesting enough, I suggested that we would get another phone line, and then what happened is the dealer said, no, I'm not. So a lot of times we can have performance elements that come into play, performance expectations, performance requirements that are in contradiction with the resources and infrastructure that the organization provides for that individual. So, if, and so part of that process is for us to pay attention to that. And there's all kinds of work you know, that Deming did many, many years ago that a lot of cases, the failure of teams to perform is the, is the failure of the organization to have the systems and resources in place to consistently deliver the results that they want. So can I, through uh, paying attention in assessing the needs and wants and all that's going on and what they need, be able to look at these things? And a lot of managers really don't look at what's missing. The other one is, is that how are you going to collect this information? You know, some people, if you're in a culture that is based on fear, they're not going to be forthcoming in a personal interview with you. So then you need to know how to set up surveys. So that's assessing the needs and wants through surveys and research and information systems. So recently we were working with a client, and what we did is we sent out a confidential survey. You know, the software now that you can just get uh, out there, the infrastructure for a very reasonable rate. You just go and design the survey, the questions, the response methodology just very, very quickly. In, in fact, for this client, we're able to design that survey in just an afternoon so that their sales professionals would feel confident that their responses were confidential. Because I, I remember going into an organization where everybody said everything was fine. But once we got below the radar, what we discovered was that some of the managers had really worked on a fear base. So individuals were no way were they forthcoming with what was really, really, really going on for them. So as a professional manager, as an individual, I need to have these consulting and team skills to be able to acquire the information required or to benchmark what is really going on? What is happening here? Many, many years ago, we had this situation that was a sad situation with the space shuttle, where everybody said that the SEALs were fine, but under pressure and duress, 
they let that shuttle fly, and of course it was a disaster because there was a leakage and the seals, it was too cold. And so people were under fear, people were under pressure, and so they didn't really hear what was really going on, or if they did, they weren't listening to it. And as a result of that poor leadership, lives were lost and the space shuttle was lost. You know, the other side is then, now that I have, uh, as, as organizations, you know, what's interesting as leaders, everybody says is change is a constant. Change right now, it is consistent. And I, you know, I even remember, even for ourselves at CRG, not five or six years ago, uh, our thought was social media was really just a waste of time. And it still can be a resource sucker. There's no, no doubt about it. However, to deny social media, LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and whatever it is that's going to come out tomorrow, uh, really is an important piece of your branding in the marketplace. So now we really have to facilitate the resistance to change. So if we're going to implement a new system, if we're going to implement a new process, then your goal as a leader is to help individuals to embrace this. You know, all the research is clear is that if I'm going to do a change, one of the number one contributors to people embracing change or lowering the resistance to change is to spend the time and the resources to explain why we're doing it and the benefits that are involved in there rather than demanding this is how we're going to do it. So you have to take the time to say here's what we're going to do and why we're going to do it, and that's a critical part, and that's where you facilitate the process of people buying in to an adjustment. And that is a skill set, and many leaders don't have that. The other one is, is that not only to facilitate, but do you have the language skills? Do you have the influence skills? Do you have the communication skills to be able to communicate to others why the change is going and really for it to make sense for you? Or do you talk over them? Do you talk under them? Do you talk down to them? So we don't want to have any of those. We really want to talk with them as partners in whatever format that we're looking at. If we have, you hear this sometimes in union environments where, or any environment for that fact, where we have adversarial sort of positions. Well, people don't hear each other. People don't understand each other. People, there's not really a spirit of influence or trust or credibility. And that is critical to be able to move an individual and a team forward. The other one is when we talk about exploring the readiness. Now, here's to change. Now, here's what we mean by this. You know, one of this is the willingness to change, which is my attitude to get into the buy-in. The next one is the readiness to change. So readiness in our model is around ability. Do I have the skills? Now, ASTD, now called ATD, one of the largest training associations in the globe, said one of the number uh, one reasons that employees disengage and are not productive and quit is because they don't have the competence to fulfill the roles and responsibilities that you've asked me to do. And so if you ask me to do a new role, have you given me the training? Have you confirmed, is there proof that I can do what you've asked me to do? Now, this is so true in leadership, so many individuals are put into a supervisory or a leader role without any kind of training. You know, Dr. Terry Anderson, who is the founder of CRG, is now working with Mitch Javidi at IAPS. 
International Association of Public Safety Training or uh, group. And it's interesting in law enforcement, because of budgets and everything that's going on, most individuals who are promoted to corporal or sergeant aren't giving the training to lead others till months or years afterwards. You know, if I am going to go on an airplane with a pilot, what would you think if the person would fly first and then they would get the training to fly the airplane a couple of years later? You'd think that's ridiculous, right? But every day we do that within the work environment where we give people responsibilities, we expect them to lead others because this is a leadership sort of series podcast, but we don't give them the training and we don't even confirm that they have the competence. So if the ATD research shows is that I'm going to quit because I don't have the competence, here's what happens, is that competence breeds confidence. So if I don't know what I'm doing, then I'm going to feel insecure, then I'm going to doubt, then I'm not going to show the results that you want from me. So my job really is to look not only at the individuals, but the team. Do I have the competence as a team? to be able to get done what, what I need to get done. How do the assistants work with the sales reps? How do they interact? How do the, how do the online systems and uh, e-platforms and information technology platforms service? Does, is there, do I have the training on the software or do I not know? Do I have product knowledge? You know, you're introducing a new product and nobody even knows anything about it or how to even explain it to other individuals. So now all of a sudden, I'm, well, Ken, how come your unit sales are now? I'm like, you never told me exactly what is in the product, how we sell it, what's the benefits of it. And so we have this lack of readiness, and that's my job as a leader to be able to kind of con um, um, confirm that. The next one is explore and facilitate team spirit, energy, and values. You know, one of our other tools is the Values Preference Indicator, and we mentioned the Values Preference Indicator as a critical piece within the self-mastery section as you as a leader or as an individual getting clear about what your core behavioral values, motivational values are. But this is also true about a team. What does it mean if you really have a lot of misaligned values? What's most important within the team uh, environment for your brand, for your organization, for that group of individuals. Well, now all of a sudden you're going to have really people at odds with one another. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to be a robot. That's not what I'm talking about. But you can have and identify the core values by which your organization operates. So CRG, some of our core values are really around uh, a spirit of excellence, loyalty, a spirit of purpose, uh, a spirit of spirit, meaning, you know, like that, that we really have more going on here than what we see. And so these would be some of the core values, and we use that as far as when we communicate with each other. And if somebody didn't have a spirit of excellence on our team, then obviously then that's going to be uh, contrary to our core values. And if somebody doesn't care about quality, and quality is job one for you, whatever that is, then obviously you're not going to have that person engaged because it's not an important thing to them. So my job then is that team leader, is that supervisor, is that manager, is that VP, whatever it is, is that what is really the values alignment of the team and that energy and synergy? And how can I get everybody rowing together rather than at odds with one another? You see this sometimes in sports teams where, and I'm more 
kind of a minor sports fan, and even though I've you know play sports and play uh, have played hockey and played slow pitch and and various sort of uh, team sports, you can see it in many cases in championships where less than elite players work together and the team spirit to achieve a championship. And then you have this prima donna elite players where millions have been spent on everybody, and they're all individuals rather than a team, and they lose a championship. So even though there's this huge money that's spent on the skill, the skills then in synergy are not been melded together, the team spirit. And so we see that a lot of times where we can play off one another, we can work together, and that together the energy, the synergy uh, deploy at a way higher level than just having, quote, unquote, a superstar. And so can you do that as a leader? Do you even know how to do it? And so that is a critical piece. Now, in this podcast, we are reviewing the skills that really are, in our research, have been required to optimize and create a transforming leadership environment or a successful leadership environment. And not everybody needs or knows how to do it. So learning how to do it and teaching it is another item. We're just framing it out today. The next one that we talk about is really facilitating but also confirming the organizational mission, vision, vision, and purpose. You know, when I interviewed Jim Cousins, uh, the best New York Times bestseller of the Leadership Challenge, they also wrote a book called Credibility. And in the book Credibility, they identified the top four uh, sort of characteristics of the most successful companies or organizations. And those organizations, and it was, it was distilled down out of these 28 factors, there were four that really were non-negotiable. So number one was honesty or integrity. You know, so first of all, can I trust you? Do you I mean, uh, can I count on what you say being real or authentic? But number two is competence. Do you know what you're doing? So that goes back to this readiness side. And even me working for somebody else, if, you know, if, and I want to be sort of respectful here, but at the same time just have a little fun with you. Have you ever worked for a really, really, really nice idiot before? I mean, so they're a nice person, but they don't know what they're doing. And so that's going to affect the performance of the individuals there. But the two next characteristics that Jim Cousins determined or discovered through their research that were critical to be able to have credibility with a workplace was forward-looking, meaning the ability to have a vision and mission, and then inspiration, meaning how do I plug into it. So the next skill set that we talk about in consulting is that can you, have you confirmed the, the mission, the vision, and the purpose of the organization? And is that clearly communicated to other individuals? What is it that, it's the why. I mean, it's one of the most watched YouTubes is the why uh, YouTube about, you know, why are we here? What is that question? So what is the mission and, uh, mission and vision and purpose of the organization, and have you clarified that? The next one from there is that if we're going to have a team skills, then what are the objectives and goals to fulfill it? So do you have a plan is what we're saying. You know, what are those plans? So, you know, what, what does it mean? What do we have to do to be able to achieve and fulfill the active tense of a vision? A vision is never fulfilled. It is always being fulfilled. It is an active tense 
statement. You know, so if we, if our purpose is to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose, when is that done? It is never done. So the next one is, is that can you actually facilitate and set objective goals and action plans for the individuals to fulfill that mission? The next one from there is, can we actually, so we have goals, but from there, can we drill down even more granular? And can you work with individuals to be able to put in place place the steps and actions they need to do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis to achieve the goals that we agreed together that you and us are going to do? Now, it's interesting, uh, when I was, we're doing a podcast with Shane Gibson, and Shane being a sales training expert, in myself around leadership, we were just talking about it, is that many sales managers really don't do sales coaching. They are just really administrators. And then sometimes they get into people's face about, you know, you need to sell more, you need to close more, you need to do more calls. But they never really work with them to help them to facilitate the steps they need to do it. If they only knew that that activity is the most important activity they could do to cause success within their team, they would probably do it. But many people avoid it. So just saying sell more is not, that's the goal. So sell more meaning how much more? Okay, so you need to increase by 10%. Fine, that's the goal. But what are the steps I need to do to achieve it? What am I going to do differently tomorrow to get that goal? So Just asking and stating the goal is not enough. I need to work with that individual. What are the gaps? What are the person that doesn't know? I'm working with a team right now. And one of the things that I really, uh, we determined with these managers of others is that there was no intentionality in, first of all, benchmarking the, the, the knowledge and competence and gaps of each of the team members who are out there selling. So, how am I going to actually give you any kind of training? How am I going to give you any support if I don't even know what you need? And so that was really amazing. And then from there, the next step was, okay, this is the gap. This is what's missing, both what you think is missing and what I say you're missing as your manager observing your behavior and observing your results. So from there, can I work with you to be able to set up the steps? What are you going to do tomorrow from an accountability point of view? And then from there... What I need to do as the manager said, okay, so we've got the goals, we've got the steps, you're doing these steps. I need to now check in and say, okay, are these steps working? And so that is the evaluative and the report, or do I just leave you and let you go and then not pay attention and then find out two months later that you haven't met your targets and then get all over your case? Is that my job is to evaluate, pay attention, and see is, are the steps, pardon me, that we have agreed to are they producing the results that we want or not? The next one is, is that every organization, and this, very few people do it, is around leading operational teams or any kind of performance teams around continuous improvement. Uh, every organization, CRG uh, included. You know, so this is stuff that we need to do as well. I get that. Is that there's always ways to improve or Uh, create more efficiencies or fine-tune a system or cut out a step or remove a step or add a step so that the quality goes up. 
but do we actually do that intentionally or do we just busily making mistakes over and over again every time? I remember working with another client recently and it was just we discovered by doing process mapping and doing uh, continuous improvement teams, we never had time to set up the system, but we always had time to do it over again. We always had time to deal with all the mistakes but we never had time to figure out the system to do it right the first time. Isn't that amazing? And here's one of the reasons that happens, is that mistakes and doing it over again never, meet, never make the ledger. So it's, it's not, yes, it is a loss, and it makes the ledger because our profitability goes down, our efficiency goes down. But there's not something in the accounting statement that says, oh, Ken spent two hours extra redoing it because it was wrong the first time? Or what about all the credibility we lose with our customers when we send them the wrong order? Or the uh, supplier? Or we uh, did the wrong thing and then we have to do it all over again and so there's lost resources that are just have to be absorbed within the organization because all of that was a sunk cost in a project that never had to be done. There's all kinds of examples where uh, large corporations and small alike and have this issue or mistake. And so that's really around, do you even know how to do a continuous improvement team? Do you know how to do process mapping? Can you help individuals to be able to install this? I mean, all kinds of uh, ISO processes are based on this, or Lean, or uh, Sigma, all of that. So those are really operational efficiencies. And again, I go back to what we said earlier, is a lot of times people fail because we don't have the systems in place to cause them to consistently implement what they need to do. That is so important, especially in, in manufacturing or what I call a systems organization, even things like medical care. There was this one nurse who had enough boldness within a surgery environment to create a checklist for all the product that was put in and all the product that came out of a surgery. But you know the doctors were so arrogant they didn't want to implement it? You've seen these shows where somebody had a protractor left in their gut for months because the doctor forgot it and they didn't have an accountability. Or they had one of the sponges left in there where there is this infection and your body's rejecting it and they can't figure out what's wrong and that is because they didn't use a system. So even in the medical uh, environment, now they're starting to use it more and get, please get your arrogance out of the way, is that systems are there to help you. My son is a pilot. You know what? I am thankful that he brings out the laminated checklist every time that he flies. If he didn't bring that out, I would be getting out of that airplane. Nobody is above the checklist. I'm sorry, because you have a sequence. Now, those of you that are old enough and uh, remember Apollo 13, and they're re-entering, one of the things they asked is says, get me the procedures. Why? Because they needed to uh, re-energize the batteries for the parachute in a specific sequence. There was no uh, room for any kind of error. And so my encouragement on this, and I'm sorry I'm getting a little preachy with you, is that, oh, it could be so much easier if we would just put the systems in so that we can consistently um, achieve that. And finally, 
one of the most difficult things, interesting enough, is that then we can install accountability systems, feedback systems, agreement for behavior in individuals and teams in groups and divisions that this is how they are going to operate. You know, if you don't have an accountability system in place, then expect whatever ever happens. You know, if you're a parent and you have a teenager and a teenager goes out and in your head you want them back at midnight, but you say nothing to them and they come back at 1 o'clock. So you know what, Ken, I said you were supposed to be back here at, uh, I wanted you back here at midnight. And then I say, well, Dad, but you didn't say anything before I left that you wanted me back. So accountability needs to be agreed to. You can't have post-accountability consequences if you don't have agreement to the consequences and the performance prior to. And so many organizations where people aren't even clear about what the expectations are. So just um, work on that and be aware of that. Make sure that you have that in place and that if you have not established accountability systems and people don't perform, why would you be surprised? It is a requirement of all of this if we want to have consistent performance. You know, so today's show was really about section number four, the leadership skills inventory. It's based on the Transforming Leadership book. You could also use a leadership skills 360 where other people can give you feedback about the 60 skills that are part of the transforming leadership model. So we, section one is self-mastery. Section two is interpersonal skills, me and you. Section three is me holding you accountable as your supervisor and working with you for you to own your stuff. Now section four is team and consulting skills where it's us, where I look at all the resources, the team, the organization, building synergy, building vision, being clear, uh, being clear about readiness as far as the the skills, the resources, the abilities of everybody to fulfill what I've asked you to fulfill, and then actually evaluating the steps and the accountability to everything that we've agreed to as a team. And that is section four. Now in our next show, we're going to go into section number five, or the final segment of 12 skills, which is the most advanced level. Now not everybody is going to need the next set of skills, but it's very good to know that everybody who is in senior leadership will need to know it. And we're going to be talking about organizational development, versatility, and sort of advanced versatility skills. And I'll explain what that means when we get to our next show. You know, leadership, I remember uh, being part of a nonprofit organization. And there were a lot of volunteers that were in the organization, and I was chair at that time and privileged to serve this group. It was interesting when I made the comment at a meeting, I said that everybody's a leader. They said, well, no, I'm not. I said, yes, every single person listening to this podcast is a leader in some form or another. You know, if you are, are you a leader in your relationship, your marriage? Are you a leader as a parent? Are you a leader in a nonprofit group? If nothing else, you are a leader of yourself from a self-leader point of view. And so everybody needs these skills at various levels. And the other one that I just want to encourage, as we mentioned before, developing these skills. Once you've benchmarked yourself, if you want to take the leadership skills assessment and then confirm your level and really give yourself a response to it, an honest response to the questionnaire and the survey, here's that. What are you going to do about it? 
and then determine what skills are needed for you to fulfill the roles and obligations that you're in at this time. And if you're moving towards new responsibilities, new roles, then this becomes a development path for you. You know, as we say at the end of every show, we just thank you very much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share. Please tell other people about it. Pass it on to others in whatever sort of social media format that you have available through iTunes or SoundCloud or YouTube or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it is that we are uh, propagating this. If there's other information that you want to learn more about the leadership skills, then we are happy to chat with you and just contact CRG. You know, thank you again for listening to Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keith. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.